Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. This week, I interview Sarah Sturm, one of the rising stars in cycling. Sarah is a hugely talented rider who competes across gravel, mountain bike, and cyclocross. We met up for the interview and photo shoot in Fayetteville, Arkansas, as she was preparing to compete in Fayette Cross, which is set on the location of the 2022 Cyclocross World Championships. We spoke about a range of topics from how she mentally tackles endurance racing to mentoring younger riders and also how the bike and meditation has helped her mental well-being when coping with grief. There are a few expletives in this interview to warn the more delicate ear and a little background noise when some of the other riders were prepping for their race weekend. However, we join the conversation as Sarah is talking about the challenges of physical and mental pain within endurance rides. Hope you enjoy. I think for most, the physical side, like physical pain, to me, has always been a lot easier to deal with because it's right there in front of you and you can deal with it. (laughs) Well, in a race, you can either stop, which few of us actually do that to a certain extent, like just quit. So you're always going to keep pushing through because the physical pain, you don't remember it. Like you think you can. That's why we can have surgeries, right? Or childbirth, for example. Not that I've had a child, but like to me, that signifies our ability to just forget what that pain is and persevere and push through something. The mental side, however, I think is a lot harder. And that's something that I really have focused on, especially with endurance riding. I just, I seem to have fallen into something I... I really, I enjoy it. Like I like racing endurance, which is weird because I never thought I would say that because I always thought I was going to be just a cyclocross athlete, which is like an hour (laughs) of like that is true suffering. You just have to know that that's going to end soon. But with endurance, it's um, at least with women's endurance racing too, like Tobin and I were talking about this, like men's racing is a lot different because there's a lot more men at the super high level and then there's that middle chunk and then like people who are doing it for the first time and then with women you still get those divisions but there's a lot fewer of them and so a lot of the time we're racing alone which I actually kind of (laughs) like because it just kind of lets you to settle into your own your own little world and for me there is a race my team manager asked if I wanted to do this May and in May everything is still really snowy and like we're just starting to melt and I was in my mind I was totally not prepared for the longest ride I would have ever done it was this race called the Belgian waffle ride and it's in San Diego California and you ride 137 miles on a gravel bike or road bike now I learn (laughs) I was really confused on what this race was and my team manager was like do you want to do it and I was like oh sure I'm just gonna I'm not ready for this like physically like I know that I'm just gonna go into this trying to like be mentally tough and that was my goal I read this book um, called Endure and it was basically like my takeaway I skimmed it (laughs) but my takeaway was that the chapter I did read was about your central governor. And so like we all humans have this, it's a way of, you know, preserving health. You have a governor that lets you suffer to a certain extent. And then ultra runners, I think, do this all the time, which is maybe not great for your body. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but they are able to push beyond that central governor and just go so much deeper into suffering and pain and achieve these crazy athletic feats (laughs) and I just thought that was really interesting just as like a 
applying it to my own life, I was like, man, I think I'm going to just use this race as like a, a test of what my, my mental state is capable of. And that's just what I focused on for like two weeks. You know, I was skiing, cross country skiing with my dog, Norman. That's like basically how I prepared for this. Got on a bike that I had never ridden. And I mean, granted, my sponsor specialized makes really nice bikes. So I don't want to like give the impression that it was some clunker. It was like a super nice bike for this purpose of this race, um, the Roubaix. And um, I ended up winning, which is crazy because it is crazy because I was not fit. There's really strong women. Um, I'd never done that distance before. I just went out and rode as hard as I could. And when I was suffering, I was like, I'm just going to see what I can do and like push myself harder and just try and go hard the entire time. I'm sure there was a lot of other pieces that fell into place. But for me, that race outwardly, I learned it was a big deal. But like internally, I was really proud of myself just because like my goal for that was just to see what I could do. There is still such a stigma around talking about things like this. Yeah. I mean, even when you're talking about stopping in a race, there's a, a huge amount of stigma around that. And the feeling of stopping feels like such a failure. And obviously mm. you were saying like the physical pain goes, you forget that, but you're still left with, you know, the mental thoughts and you might be really struggling during the race and then that doesn't go away straight away. You know, would you go up to another rider and say, I'm, I'm really struggling with this today or... Yeah, I mean, I do. <laughs> I'm a really open, I'm a pretty open person. And like, in some ways, like, maybe that's a weakness. But I don't know. I've never been, I don't know. I've never been that competitive to where I wouldn't say something. Like, if I'm in a break with another group of women, which happened at this, it was like a stage race in Oregon. It's like five days of racing. It was like, day one and it was like me and these two other women and I was like oh my god I'm suffering so hard and I can't remember if anyone said oh you shouldn't say that during the race and I'm sure you shouldn't well in some ways but like for me I'm going to talk about how I'm suffering with these other women because those are the only two other people in that vicinity that know exactly what we're going through <laughs> um so when you're out on these breakaways if you might be on your own. Um, you, I mean, you interestingly said that you pr sometimes prefer being on your own in mm -hmm. those situations. Are there things that you will do routines you have to try and get through it? Or is it sort of just a natural thing that it's crazy? Like how much, um, how much time it takes, like to think about just proper fueling and nutrition and then thinking about where the next aid station is what do you need what does your body need checking in physically what's going on I'm gonna need to get this food but then you're just I'm trying not to think I never look behind me um, and that's a new thing because it just it doesn't do any good like I'm just gonna go at my pace and do my thing like today and for everyone and this is um, this has been a big shift in my mental health <laughs> as a bike racer from when I was younger um, and what I try and work with the girls that I mentor, like your racing isn't about anyone else. And it's hard because we all have to stand on the line. And that's like the worst part of a bike race. I hate it. I hate the start of races because you're all there. There's like this nervous energy. You can people pick up and like you don't have to say anything. There's just this like like this vibration in the air of like everyone's like super nervous. You know, you can't think about 
your training. <laughs> you can't think about anything else because you are just right there at that moment. And all you can control ever is what you're doing and what you are going to do. And um, for me, when I was younger, it was like, I always would look around and like, oh, so-and-so, like, she's so fast. Like, I know she's fast. Like, look, her, like, bike matches her helmet, matches her kit. Like, she she's going to definitely beat me. Like, or just, like, have those thoughts. Like, it was always about other people. And now I appreciate those other people, and I'm glad that they're there. And my day is about me. Like, it's about just me testing my body. And that's kind of what I went into Belgium Waffle Ride with. Like, I'm just kind of excited to see if my body will survive 137 miles. You touched on it a bit before, but you mentor some younger yeah. riders. Are there specific things that you'll advise them, sort of things that will apply to every rider? Or do you kind of try and step into each rider and have sort of one-on-one -on -one chats to them? Yeah, I mean, I'm just better like one-on-one -on -one and like knowing their lives and learning what's going on and, um, you know, like, because I, I received a lot of mentorship and help um, when I was starting out and it's really awesome to be able to kind of keep passing that along because, well, one, like when I'm like meeting up, you know, with a younger athlete for coffee, I'm like, oh my God, I do have some experience. Like, don't ask me about like power because I don't do any of that. But like, um, I will talk to you about being mentally prepared for a race. And like, I think um, what I've always hated about being an athlete is you get trying, people try to put you in a box and they try to like apply this like formula of like being this like racer and like doing these things and doing these workouts. And that has never worked for me ever, ever, ever. Um, Rotem, my friend, and I, he's kind of a coach, more of a guide. Um, he, he knows me as a person and he helps, he's helped me, you know, try to train and become this athlete based on like how I function. Cause he knows me really well. And I try to pass that along to the girls that, um, I work with. Cause like, you know, some of them, I feel like won't fit that box and, and that's, a, and that's good actually. You know, Tobin and I were talking about like your identity is wrapped up in this. Like I remember quitting, you know, racing cross country and I was working at a bakery at the time um, in Durango and, you know, you see a lot of customers come in and, you know, they know you're a bike racer and they're like, so you doing the iron horse or like, you know, the local scene. And it was really hard. It's hard to like have your identity as this bike racer. And so for me, um, and it's getting harder and harder to do this, like this last couple of seasons, but like, who am I if all of this went away? Because it is like, I, you know, I want to go back to school. I want to, I have other goals <laughs> Yeah, and it, I need that. It's a very hard identity to sort of have put on you when it's sort of, you're a bike racer. You're saying, how far have you ridden today? Or right. what result have you got? You have to like figure out what minimizes stress as as a human <laughs> as an athlete and for me um having a balance of like this is how much of my life I can commit to like just being a pure cyclist and then here's the other part of my life that and it's you know this balance that people talk about and this isn't just cycling or athletics people always talk about balance like this is the same thing if you're like a wall street banker 
like, and those dudes are cutthroat and women, like their lives are about that. Their lives are about their work. And it's no different than, you know, the endurance athlete or the cyclocross athlete. Um, for me, I, no way, no way I would. And I would argue that I don't know if those people are mentally healthy, happy people. Um, I think, I think you have to have some balance in your life. Like, you know, if that comes from working at a coffee shop, you know, I just, for me, there's been this, like this piece in my mind, like everyone's telling me like to commit, to be a great athlete, like you need to commit like not everything, but most things like you have to have serious training, serious time. Um, for me, that was scaling back and just doing contract graphic design. And I feel like that's like vulnerable for me to say, like, I like having a 40 hour week job and then jamming in cycling, it makes me way more stressed. But like part of me like really misses that, you know, now only working like part-time plus on design stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's like a constant, it's a constant adjustment. Like I don't know what the answer is to that. I am curious to know what other people do. With some athletes, they forget that they're actually achieving things and doing things and Mm. not enjoying it. And in terms of a mental health approach, like, you need to make sure that you're enjoying the positives and not just addressing negative sides Ah, of it. Yes. I do think that that is a feature of being kind of like that driven athlete archetype, like in, in whatever way that is the people that line up for these races, no matter who you are, if you're winning the race or if you're, you know, just trying to finish it, you have some version of that. Um, and I think as humans, it's hard for us to see accomplishments I think you've totally touched on something, you know, important. Like it is, well, for me, it's, I hate, oh, it's so awkward to talk about that with other people. Um, And I find that I'm so busy that it's hard for me to pause and look at what I've done or like process that. Like it's weird to like have to process a success um, and it's easy to process what you need. Like look at the self-help book, you know, genre there's a reason why people write those things. Like people always want to improve. They also want like an easy (laughs) answer (laughs) to it too. And there isn't one. That's the thing. None of those books will ever answer everything for you. Um, But I think that constant um, drive to like, oh, I got to work on my cornering. Oh, I got to work on my nutrition. Oh, I have to like, there is that, like that's kind of sometimes the exciting part. As long as that like, that can be positive and it can very, very easily be negative for me. Like even Grindero, I'll, I'll be honest about this too. Like Grindero is this fun and Downeyville and they're both part of the, like, um, this series that the Sierra Buttes trail stewardship puts on in like Northern California. And they're these like fun, like cultural races where like everyone comes out you time like it's all time descents maybe some cross country but for me those races are literally the most stressful and it i it's so annoying because i think outwardly people see me as like oh she's always having fun and like i do like i do have fun i like being around people and i'm smiley but internally like that shit's really hard for me like it's hard for me to be bad like i had a great time at enduro or grinduro until I looked at my results that night and I kind of had like a little pity party because it totally didn't match 
the level of fun that I had and I'm frustrated by that. And now I'm like, I gotta, you know, I gotta figure out my getting contacts and I have to figure out like how to corner and how to go faster. And like, and it just was like, man, I couldn't even celebrate the fact that, well, yet again, I got second to Katerina and I beat Kate Courtney on a climb. Like, but I was like, man, I sucked at all this stuff. And it, it totally did take, I, I'd love to say that I like overcame that moment and I was like totally composed and I was able to be really excited for everyone that did really well, but I totally wasn't like, it was a huge bummer and I was being a total athlete about it. But how, how do you then sit down and try and process that or do you not no no I think it's really I think it's really important to know how to process through that um I oftentimes when I get like this like that and you know I'm on like a this is like week three of this like chunk of travel and racing that I'm on so I'm a little like mentally fried um but I know when I start getting like that it's because there's an imbalance in my like mental health I think um and so like meaning um why am I putting this pressure on myself like why why was that so devastating like why why did I have that reaction um and for me like I'll start asking myself those questions and see if there's an answer and then I also think um you know there's there's our normal life that goes on And it's hard to like not have those things intertwine. And this is why I work with a mental health professional. Like I work with a woman in Durango that I, you know, make appointments with more regularly than my doctor, than my primary care doctor. Like I see her and a massage therapist to try and keep my body and my brain in like the place that I, you know, can continue to do this because it's hard. Like it's devastating when you do really poorly and you're putting a lot of time (laughs) into something or like knowing how to like work through things like that is really hard alone um and you know I'm almost 30 and that's still really hard like it's hard to like know what to do with a shitty result and not feel like that's a direct reflection of your self-worth like that is something I've always struggled with as an athlete like especially when you do poorly it's hard to like come in like middle to back of the pack and not feel like a piece of shit (laughs) which is why and it's hard to get yourself out of that too and know why you feel those things so working with someone who like I know there's sports psychologists out there Um, I've worked with a couple but I've found just someone who understands that side is important but knows how the brain works is equally as important in terms of even just in the cycling world even just like the gravel world do do other people do that or talk about that um no i i wouldn't say any of this ever really comes up and like and just like my friend group too like away from cycling like you know i have some friends that have gone through some heavy shit and my first question always is like you know what can i do for you but like also are you working with anyone like you know because there's a certain point where like one having a neutral in your life is really important like having someone that isn't your parent isn't your friend isn't your partner you know isn't your coach helping you through stuff like that is a unique relationship to have um with like a therapist and then not only that but this person is trained they know like they know (laughs) these things 
And there's all these different levels of like, you know, I've worked with therapists that, you know, I just need to sit in there and talk about, you know, things. And then the woman I'm working with now, I went in there first session. I was like, I want you to give me feedback. I need feedback. I need things to work on. Like that's probably the athlete side of me. And, and she does. And that has been, I mean, we're three years in now and it's a huge, it's a huge part of, you know, my life. I mean, I had, unfortunately had to see two basically family members get murdered this year in the middle of my race season. And I'm still currently working through like these intense levels of grief with that. And that has nothing to do with cycling, but it affects cycling. And I have, like, I have to work with someone. There's like, there's no way my friends can relate to that. And my partner, like, there's no, I mean, you have to, and that's not just me. Like I know everyone has had, hopefully not, you know, that level of tragedy, but there's always something. It's very difficult. I think for some people, even when they hear that, when they hear that someone's gone through something as tragic as that and mm-hmm. um, traumatic, that they then put pressure on themselves that they shouldn't be feeling bad because something sort of trivial has happened. Oh, totally. And that's been a huge, that's been a huge learning as an athlete too. Cause I, I'm kind of an existentialist <laughs> and oftentimes I'm like, why, why does this matter? I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't, but it also really does because it's something that I'm, you know, this meaning cycling, being an athlete. Um, like, what is the good that comes of this? And it's to your point of like, you know, the little things are so important. And like, and also like for me, I notice like a lot of the times it's a clue <laughs> when like this little thing will set me off. Um, something else bigger is maybe going on behind the scenes and and it's important and I think the positive side of being an athlete is you're in tune to like checking in with yourself and for me now especially with dealing with grief because this is a whole new territory for me um it you have to do it with your mental state too like and that's more important because the thing is like everyone who's preparing for these races and trying to like achieve accomplishments chances are physically you're fine like you're fine it's the mental side that you're like you have to make sure you are okay and it's hard like like we talked about earlier like everyone has shit everyone carries it and like just because I show up to races and I'm you know smiley and happy and I'm having a good time like doesn't mean I don't have like you know some sadness and well, I was going to say, has, is the bike something, obviously you've gone through that grief this year. Has the bike been something that has been an active tool for you to help deal with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is crazy. Like, um, I will, man, it's been a crazy year. Yeah. Like that news came like after, you know, my mom's uh, boyfriend was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer <laughs> and like, and, and all of that, it's it's not stuff you can wrap your head around. Like it's really isn't like, and so there's like all for me, I have to like occupy like the nervous, like energetic part of me to be able to like focus my headspace on stuff. 
And, um, luckily in, in Durango, like there's tons of rides you can do like mountain bike. I usually just hop on the mountain bike and go cause I like being where there's no one like no tree or <laughs> no trees, um, no cars, no people. And yeah, for me, that's been, I'm not like a big crier, but I've had a couple of really good, like sit on a rock and just sob. <laughs> And it's cleansing. Like, I don't know. Like, I think um, just, you know, those really good cries that you used to have when you were a kid, like into your pillow. Yeah. And you're just like, it's just almost just like, yeah, yeah, like heaving. Like <laughs> Sometimes like people do that in cars a lot. Mm. Like, especially like just being alone is so, like, I, but I've also had those sessions where I'm like sitting there and Norman, my dog is just like looking at me. <laughs> what the hell are you doing you crazy person it's crying in the yeah, woods in spandex <laughs> yeah he's like okay alrighty. but I, yeah no i think that's it's been it has been a part of the process you know people talk about meditation um and that's definitely something that i have like started diving a little bit more into and i always thought it was like you had to like sit down and listen to headspace and like not try to think about like paint drying for like an hour. And that always sounded miserable to me. But for me, meditation comes in a lot of different ways. And I think it is really important to know how to like clear your mind and just focus on like one specific piece. But like you have to find your own version of things like the downside of being fed or like reading too many articles about, you know, X, Y, and Z, like just go and experiment with things that work for you. People just want the list of things like, okay, if I do these things, I will find happiness. And we know that that doesn't happen. Or if we find these things, I'll find balance or if do these things, I'll find balance. And it's just not, it's not how it works. And the point I think of life is to figure out your own way of, of going through things, but also dealing with things like you have to find your own, meditate your own version of meditation for me this is my meditation is figuring out like right now currently this you know moment is like planning a bikepacking trip backpacking whatever and going out and doing something that has nothing to do with any of these other parts of my life not having my phone setting up camp I love setting up camp and all you have to do is like read a book paint hang out with your friends like you know drink whiskey I that's my version of it that's where I can actually finally like exhale like go not be in the scene of anything like emails racing any any of that I I have to have those pieces and that's like my version of meditation I don't know I I'm not I'm not gonna like do the morning routine thing every day I just can't do that stuff Thank you for listening. If you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode, please go to findingspace.cc. For more interviews like this, please subscribe to the Finding Space podcast. But more importantly, if this story resonated with you, please share. The more we engage with the topic of mental health, the further we can go to break down the stigma.